Hi there, everyone. This is Brayden and Tally, the voice of my beloved podcast. We are going to be talking more, uh, looking at the Song of Solomon today. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Missouri. Uh, it's, it's one of those perfect days. I think today is like a perfect weather day. It's just beautiful, sunny, windy, not too hot, not too cold. It's really nice. This is just a beautiful time of year. It's really nice here. Um, and we are on day 26 of the Omer, which means we've got 24 days to go till Shavuot, which means we're getting closer. And so we're getting excited about our gathering here. We've got people registering and that just is, is getting exciting, getting, getting everything ready, the housing ready and making things look nice. Um, yeah, we're excited. Things have changed on the property here a little bit. So uh, we've got some some cows now, and we've got it's becoming a pretty little place, <laughs> and so uh, so we'll be excited to be hosting visitors soon and very soon. It's coming, it's coming. So <laughs> so we're gonna dive into uh, the Song of Solomon here, and I just I love this this part, this portion of scripture. It's just so um, so honest. You know, it's like, I love the, the story that it tells and just how just real it is. It feels very real, you know, when you look at, at what's going on in the story. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get started. Yes. So we're now in verse seven and it starts out here. It says, tell me, oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock. So backing up to last week, we discussed how she's gone through this crisis in some ways because she's been rejected. You know, she says, um, do not look upon me because I am dark. The sun has tanned me. She's kind of going through this, this growing pain in a way in her mm -hmm. relationship with the body. And she's she feels kind of making excuses too, right? Like this is because I'm, you know, my, my mother's sons have were, made, angry, with were angry with me. Yeah. They made me the keeper of the vineyard. <laughs> right. And so she's, kind of learning how to operate in the body. And so now she comes to this place where she wants to get back to her lover. She, she's trying to get back into that first love. She says, tell me, oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock. She's longing for nourishment. She's longing to be fed by him again. She's kind of gotten distracted from being fed by him, by the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And this verse tells us the bridegroom is a shepherd. You know, Psalm 23, the most popular psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm -hmm. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, this is this place of being shepherded by the bridegroom and just being cared for. He cares for you. you know, he cares for your soul. Mm -hmm. And so this is the place where she wants to get back into that, that intimacy with God. And so this, this whole song, just to point out again, is it's a journey in growing in passion and love. Mm -hmm. It's a journey in growing close to the heart of the bridegroom. And so it, it really kind of lays out a progression and how that happens mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I feel like it's just so so honest too because it feels like she knows this, you know, she knows that this is the right, you know, this is the one for her. You know, she knows that he loves her, but like in this portion here, it's like she's still kind of grappling with it. Like, why though? Why does he love me? Like, why? You know, and she's kind of asking herself questions and she's remembering all of the reasons why this really shouldn't work out. Like th it doesn't make sense that I am being 
pursued you know, pursued <laughs> by this you know uh, so I, I love like the, the reality of that, you know, just how the, just the progression of her, you know, just grappling with things, you know, it seems like she knows it in her head, you know, he loves me. Yes. He knows, she knows it in her head, but she, it hasn't gotten into her heart strong enough yet that she's, you know, not struggling with the whole concept. <laughs> yeah. So. so tell me, oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. And just a this point here where you make it rest at noon uh flocks will rest at noon when they're well fed so a uh, flock of sheep they will rest they'll lie down they'll chew their cud mm-hmm. at noon if they've been well fed that morning and so she, she's saying where is that place where you satisfy your flock mm-hmm. where do you where's that place where they're so satisfied that they're actually even able to rest at noon they don't have to continue wandering over the mountains looking for something to satisfy their hunger but they're they're satisfied with him. And so this is a place, even the noon is, you know, it's the high sun It's the point of the peak heat of the day. It also speaks of a, a place of resting, even in the heat of the labor, you know, you're laboring, you're laboring in the fields. And Yeshua talks about putting your hand to the plow, right? You don't look mm-hmm. back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you look back, but even in this place of laboring in the heat of the day, there's still a place of rest. And so where is that place you feed your flock? Where is it that you make it rest even in the noontime? You know, they're satisfied They're There's in this place of laboring, but also in a place of, of just trusting and resting in God's provision. Mm-hmm. And so this is where she wants this is what she's longing for. Show me where's that place. She says, for why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? And it's thought in this verse here. One of the interpretations is, is that when she says, why should I be as one who veils herself that she's actually saying, why should I be shamed as a harlot would veil herself? Because we look at Judah and Tamar in Genesis 38, 15. It says, when Judah saw her, he sees Tamar over on the side of the road. He thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. And so this evidently was a custom in Bible times for a harlot to actually cover her face on the side of the road. It indicated that she was a harlot. Mm -hmm. So the bride here, she says, why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Basically, she's saying, I'm ashamed. Why should I be this way though? Why should I be this kind of this outcast mm-hmm. by the flocks of your companions? Like I'm, I, I want to be fed by you directly. So it's, she's longing for direct communication with her bridegroom. She doesn't want to just be on the outside of being just next to even the flocks of, of Yeshua's companions, the bridegroom's companions, because mm-hmm. the bridegroom has companions, right? And they're, they're, uh, they're these, these friends of the bridegroom, you could say even, uh, but she wants to not only just be associated with a friend of the bridegroom, mm-hmm. she wants to actually know the bridegroom himself. And mm-hmm. so this is a good challenge for all of us. You know, we can sometimes cling to certain teachers. We can cling to certain men or women of God and they almost like we, we know God secondhand in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the bride here, she's saying, no, I want you, where do you feed your flock? I want to know where you feed your people. I want to, I want to feed directly from you. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you know, we were, we we're greatly blessed. We're benefited by men and women of God that are, are anointed to share the heart of the bridegroom, to share Yeshua. But ultimately we feel, um, we feel like a, it's almost like a second rate relationship with the bridegroom, unless we're actually directly communicating mm-hmm. and being fed by him himself. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know. I'm seeing like another side of this too, just because, um, you know, she, 
realizes her need. Like she realizes she needs to be fed. She realizes that she needs closeness with the, with the shepherd. And so she wants to, to be with him. But then I'm like, I'm seeing the, the flocks of your companions, like is almost like she's, she's drawing near. I don't know. I'm, I'm relating it to the body of Messiah and how like a new believer might feel the need. Like I need to be spiritually fed, but they still, feel that shame. Like, I feel like I can't, I don't fit here. Like, why should I be here? And it's almost this kind of hesitation to just even engage with the, the flock, you know, or with the, um, yeah, by the, the flocks of your companions with the companions. And so, you know, I think that also gives, you know, just a, a picture of the, the tendency that we have to say, you know what, it might be better for me to just uh, you know, go to my cl- prayer closet and just have a relationship to me and Yeshua, you know, and just, and, you know, stay away from that whole perspective, you know, that whole uh, path of, of walking with the body, of walking with the rest of the flock. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that shame is what kind of keeps us separated. And I think that, that there's a need for both. You know, we, yes, we need to be in the prayer of closet. We need our relationship to be strong with Yeshua, but we also need to figure out how to be fed, you know, how to, um, you know, how to walk with the, the rest of the flock. <laughs> right. You what I'm yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's totally, that's totally a yeah. good, good uh, view of that verse too. Yeah. To be in the body and, and not to be ashamed, not to feel like, okay, I've got to veil my face. I've got to kind of hide who I am, but to, but encourage and trans, encourage transparency yeah. to encourage honesty within the body. Uh, yeah. To be by the flocks of the companions is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. uh, but, but ultimately she wants to be fed by him. And she, and she doesn't want to have to veil herself there. You know that, yeah. and that's the reason why that probably keeps her hesitant to even do that. And it goes into this next part here, right? Where it's, where it's talking again about, about the flocks. That right. Yeah. So verse eight, if you do not know, O fairest among women follow in the footsteps of the flock. So here she's crying out for more intimacy with the bridegroom to be fed by him. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gives this answer. It's a, it's an amazing answer. He says, if you don't know, it's, it's, it's almost implying that she should know, you know, it's just like, <laughs> if you don't know, then here's the answer. But it's amazing here. He says, O fairest among women. And so she's gone through this, this grappling and now the bridegroom comes in and says, oh, you're the most beautiful though. Like he sees the sincere cry of her heart for more of him. Mm-hmm. And he, it's just a, such a beautiful thing to him. So mm-hmm. for us, you know, we feel lacking at times. We feel, you know, these the grapplings we go through, you know, even, you know, a lot of times you'll see this in the body. People just kind of feel, they feel left out. They feel rejected, whatever. And they grapple with these things, but then the bridegroom comes in and says, oh, you're the most beautiful though. And he, he woos the heart of the bride. He woos the believer to himself with mm-hmm. these words of affirmation. Yeah. And so you're the most beautiful. And so I, like, I want your best. You know, earlier on, she recognized, she said, I'm dark, but lovely. So she recognized that God had done this redemptive work, but she also saw herself as being, mm-hmm. you know, having this, this, this darkness that was trying to overtake her life. Mm-hmm. The bridegroom, he just, he only accents the, the beauty. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the wonder, the beauty of, of what God is doing in, her, in that, that loveliness, you know, he said, Oh, right. you're the most beautiful among women mm-hmm. Follow in the footsteps of the flock. So basically he doesn't say here where he is exactly. He doesn't say like, okay, I'm in the field of Bethlehem. He's, <laughs> he just says, she asks, where are you feeding your flock? He says, follow in the footsteps of the flock. Mm-hmm. And this is such a key point. Uh, you see people that get burned out in body life and they end up just isolating themselves. And this is, you know, Yeshua is saying basically here, you want to find me, 
follow in the footsteps of the flock, be connected to the body. And this is the place where you're going to find me. Mm -hmm. You're going to find more of my nature, more of who I am. And this, you know, ties into something that you're really passionate about, Tally, about the bodies, uh, the giftings within the body, right? (laughs) When you separate yourself from the body, you're missing out on giftings that are represented in that place that actually help you mature in your relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this, um, this answer here too, uh, because, you know, I think that, you know, like I said, that, that tendency, uh, to to back off or, or you know go and seclude you know get get into a place of seclusion and stuff and that's that's not what he's saying he's like you know because you feel shame so he's you know he's saying okay you might feel shame from the flock from my companions even but I'm calling you a fairest among women you know like that's what I say to you so go be with the flock like, and just know that's what I'm still calling you, you know, like, even if you feel that shame, like, even if you at times feel like that's what people make you feel like it's, that doesn't mean you can run and hide, you know, right. you still have to follow in the footsteps of the flock. And that's, that's a part of this. That's a part of this journey, but know that I'm speaking to you. Oh, most beautiful one, you know, yeah. as, as you do that. Right. That's great. Yeah. I love to, I believe there's an element here where the bridegroom sees what she's going to become. He mm-hmm. sees chapter eight in the last chapter of the book. He sees that maturity that's coming. And he, and so it's, it's not saying that she has reached that level, but he's, she just, he's recognizing that beauty of what will be. He sees this through the eyes of faith. I love Philippians one, six says being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Yeshua Messiah. So there's this confidence that he speaks over us. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, you're, you're stumbling through little things here, but I see where you're going. I see the sincere cry of your heart for more of me to walk in holiness, to walk in purity. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful to me. And I see where it's going. I see where it's leading. I see the bride made ready. Mm-hmm. And, and so holding on to that hope is a really big key. Mm-hmm. And even just working through these little things, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the things there, the sin that so easily seeks to beset us, right? Yeah. You know, overcoming those things, it, it, we have to hear the bridegroom's voice speaking confidently over us. No, I know you're going to make it. I can see it already. Mm-hmm. I see the seed form of what's coming. Just keep holding on yeah. to your hope. Yeah. And I, it also keeps, you know, I keep being reminded of Yeshua's word where it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's like such a beauty in hungering and thirsting, like even in your lack, it means that, you know, you have a lack, right. you know, the end, there's a beauty to that, you know, cause blessed are those. And so, uh, I think that's such an important part of the journey is, you know, understanding the lack, but knowing where to go, you know, to be filled up. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of even this, the sermon on the Mount. He says the very first blessed is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And just how accessible Yeshua makes the kingdom is, are you poor? Are you needy? Mm-hmm. The bride, she recognizes her neediness in the very beginning of the journey. Yeah. And Yeshua, he reaches out, he gives an invitation to those who are needy, those who realize that there's a poverty in their spirit. He says, blessed are you when you recognize that. Many people go through life and they feel, you know, Yeshua rebuked the the one church in Revelation, I believe it's Laodiceans. He says, you think that you're rich. You think mm-hmm. that you have no lack. You know, <laughs> I counseled you. I counsel you to buy gold or find in the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, he makes it accessible. I, I remember hearing this one thing. He said, uh, this preacher said, Yeshua made the first rung of the ladder easily, easy to grab. You know, <laughs> the blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's in the present tense. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have poorness of spirit. Basically, when we walk in humility, we walk in that place of, God, I need you. I need you every hour, right? As mm-hmm. the song says, he, 
he uh, he meets us in that place and we experience a present tense of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So it's a powerful, powerful thing. So, yes, yeah, so important. Uh, we want to look at another verse here, Psalm 85, 13. It says, righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. I love this verse. It's just saying that he's going before us, basically. You know, mm-hmm. the the bridegroom has already gone ahead of the flock. Mm-hmm. And so as we follow with the flock, then we're going to, we're going to, end up where he is, right? Right. You know, he says he shall make his footsteps our pathway. Mm -hmm. And so when he says follow in the footsteps of the flock, Mm -hmm. then we want to follow in his footsteps ultimately. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's gone before us. He's like the general that goes before his men into battle. Mm -hmm. You know, he's already made the way he's already fought the battles. You know, he's won the victory. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we just follow in his footsteps and follow with the flock. Mm Mm-hmm. So moving along, it says, and feed your little goat. So he's given this answer. You know, the bride's saying, where are you? Where do you feed your flock? And so he answers and says, uh, you know, follow in the footsteps of the flock. And then he says, and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. And this verse here spoke massively to me as a young man. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, as young men, we, we were, we're seeking, you know, we're, we're, we have big dreams. You know, what are we going to do with our lives and all these things? And this verse spoke to me that in order to really see the fullness of God's will in my life, I needed to be beside the shepherd's tents, mm-hmm. you know, to, to find those men and women of God that had gone before and had the shepherd heart of God in themselves. And because uh, it's plural here, the shepherd's tents, this is, you know, referring to uh, under shepherds. I've even heard them called, you know, under shepherds, under Yeshua, those that are, you know, have his heart and as you're able to be in that place, then you're able to feed the little goats, basically the little responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, before she's, she had been given too much. She is trying to take care of all the vineyards, right? But now he says, you know, the, the bridegroom answers her and says, just, just feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. You know, mm-hmm. he, he emphasizes their little, you know, the little goats. Don't, don't take on the huge projects. You're, you're just, you're, you're growing in love. You're growing in what it means to serve me wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Don't take on too much service right now, but yeah, but don't totally ignore service either. You have these little responsibilities, these little goats, and, and you're going to be able to feed them mm-hmm. by the shepherd's tents. Mm-hmm. She, he, she all, you know, in the beginning, she's asking, where do you feed your flock? He says, okay, uh, he's giving this answer. This is where you're going to find peace. This is where you're going to find the pasture. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow in the footsteps of the flock and then feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it it goes back to, uh, you know, where she's talking about by the flocks of your companions. And it's almost like, yeah, that's where you should be, the flocks of my companions, <laughs> right. you know. Go to the shepherd's, you know, tents. And, and I love how this verse, like how it shows the importance of, of it, it kind of to me it shows the importance of being discipled and then discipling yourself right. yeah. you know and that and that whole thing that that's a part of this whole journey is being discipled by those that that have gone before and then also making sure that you're pouring into those um the you know the little goats the the ones that you've been given responsibility yeah for. and this saves so much stress too cuz when you when you try to go out and minister to people but you don't have people that are like looking out for you you too then you can just end up in these places of stress of anxiety Mm -hmm. whereas if you have those people that are praying for you you know those those elders this could be your parents uh, that are praying for you that are backing you up you know they're for you 
then it gives so much more stability mm -hmm. to being able to minister, to take care of those little responsibilities, those little goats, you could say, you know, yeah. that mm -hmm. God, that God has given you. And, and it also provides a context to grow. Like God doesn't want to overwhelm us with, you know, so much that we, that we burn out, right? Mm -hmm. Just take care of the, you know, if you're a young person out there listening, take care of those little responsibilities that God has given you. And then in that place, you're growing, you're maturing in, in giftings. Mm -hmm. And then you're able to take on little bit by little bit and God brings you to where, uh, where he, you know, he wants you to be. Mm -hmm. And I, this, uh, verse also ties into, you know, the idea of, of being in a submitted relationship with the leaders in your life. That could be your parents. That could be your uh, spiritual leaders. And God really spoke to me as a young person. I was, uh, I listened to a teaching by Jack Frost. You may have heard of him, but he had a teaching about the life of Yeshua and how Yeshua submitted to his parents. You know, we, we read in Luke two fifty one. Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he was in his father's house, right in the temple. And then his parents end up finding him after three days. And he says, then he went down with them. This is after they find him. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Yeshua increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So here he, he's sub subject to them. He's subject to his parents. I mean, the son of God, mm -hmm. he came to be an example to us of how we are to live out our lives, but he's subject to his parents. Mm -hmm. and, and I love how he says that, he, he, you know, he, he doesn't say he was stifled and, and uh, just kind of bogged down in that place. No, it says, and Yeshua increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Mm -hmm. So he gives us an example of what it means to yield to the shepherds in our life, to those that are in authority. And this is a place of blessing. It's not a place of stifling. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is such a, a powerful understanding to have because one day, likely, you will be in a place of leadership. You know, mm -hmm. it could be 20, 30 years down the line. Likely, you will have children if you're a young person. Mm -hmm. And you learn really valuable lessons about what it means to ask others to yield to you, your children, for example, your children in 20 years, you, mm -hmm. you're, as you yield to your parents. Now you're learning really valuable lessons about what that looks like for you to ask that of your children. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, uh, very key is just for your overall growth to mm -hmm. understand this in a real practical, not just to read books about it, but to actually to live it out. Right. You know, it's, it's so important for your spiritual health. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I remember this uh, teaching by Jack Frost. He said uh, that Yeshua had a, had a submission. Basically, a, his submission was submission. If that makes <laughs> sense. Like he, he, had a, he had a mission to yield to his parents for a season, right? Up till he's 30 years old. Mm -hmm. And then he's released into the, the, the larger mission, you know, the ministry mission that God had given him. So Yeshua is an example for us, as I said. He, he modeled what it means to yield to his parents to your parents mm -hmm. and then to be released into a next step. And so this is a powerful, powerful understanding to have. And it's, it's, it's something, it, it, what it does, you know, I don't think that we fully understand how much God really desires to work humility in us because it's so beneficial for us. You know, <laughs> humility is so much more beneficial for us than we even realize, I believe. Uh -huh. But he, he put, he sets up scenarios for us to grow in humility. Uh -huh. He purposely does this. And, uh, it's, it's, it's so good for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not an easy road. And it's definitely not, uh, 
you know, it's, it's sometimes painful, you know, to, to walk that, which I think is why, you know, this next part that we go into is basically a bunch of praise. (laughs) I think, I think that's a part of it, you know, that we've just gone through this kind of struggle. I'm feeling, you know, you know, feeling dark, uh, and struggling with, how am I supposed to pursue you? You know, I just want it to be me and you. Do I have to deal with the companions with the, with the flocks, you know? And he's saying, yes, you know, yes. But, and then he goes into this praise, which I think is, is necessary to walk the journey. You know, and I think, you know, that's what the, the shepherd, the, um, or the, uh, the beloved here, he knows that. He knows that the bride, this isn't going to be an easy path. I'm not asking her to do something easy. So I'm going to say this lovingly, and then I'm going to praise her, you know, as she as she decides to go on this journey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, th- there's so much in this that we could expound on more, but I think that the heart of it is, is God wants you to be fruitful. He desires you to produce much fruit for his glory. And Yeshua modeled what it means to produce fruit. You know, he, he produced the most fruit of any human that ever walked this earth mm-hmm. and he modeled what it means to yield. And so just take that, take, you know, take that in prayer. You know, what does it mean for me to yield in my life to mm-hmm. those in authority over me and, uh, and to see it as a good thing. You know, God didn't, yeah. God didn't make a mistake in this plan. He, yeah. he has your best interest at heart uh-huh. and uh, yeah, he's going to use it for, for your good. Yeah. And be thankful. <laughs> I think that's one thing that we've learned, you know, that, that, um, you know, in the journey, there are, times that are hard there are times where you know you don't feel like you know you're being treated right or fairly or whatever it is you know as you go on this journey a journey of submitting submitting to the path that God's put in front of you um but but man this is our training we need to be thankful God's preparing us he is making us ready perfectly training us every situation that you know that he brings into our life as we f- do this journey you know, as we follow the f- as we uh follow the flocks as we, um, you know, stay by the shepherd's tents. Uh, it's all for our good, you know, and it's, and there's such great blessing. And so, uh, to even be thankful in the midst of that, you know, which which I, I, you know, I, as we say, share these things, this is sharing to ourselves too, (laughs) you know, like these are all truths that we just, we are contending for still. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to verse nine, the bridegroom says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. And Pharaoh's chariots historically were the best in the world. You know, people would buy horses from Egypt at exorbitant prices. And so Solomon had a lot of money. So you can actually go to Israel today and they've unearthed these Solomon stables. He had several hundreds of horses, I believe, from <laughs> Egypt, a huge, huge stable area. And so... Uh, he was familiar with Pharaoh's chariots. And so he, he's comparing, uh, this is kind of, I don't know if I, if I told you that, Tally, would you be flattered? You know, yeah. you're like uh, this horse that is like so <laughs> well-trained and so powerful. <laughs> Some of the things in the, in the song of songs is like, maybe there's cultural, a uh, little bit of breakdown in communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, because we have looked at, at this whole book, like, I think, you know, it is, it is a funny book you know because all of the compliments are all like comparing to animals and like <laughs> these strange things that it's just like totally not uh relevant in our culture like as far as the way it is but uh you know after you learn like the way that the symbolism behind yeah it. just yeah. like how 
I mean, it, it really is. It just shows such such depth um, to the compliments. It's not just like, you're so pretty or, you know, I mean, it is, but it's like going into detail about it. So right. like, I, I do, I, I actually, I love the compliments yeah. <laughs> in, in all of the Song of Solomon. I think it's great. So the bridegroom is basically saying here, you, you know, even though you've come out of the season of feeling a little bit like a failure, you know, you're, you're saying, don't look at me. You know, I'm, I'm ashamed. But he says, no, I've compared you my love. He, he reaffirms his love to her. He says, my love, my loved one, uh, you're like Pharaoh's, you're like a, a, my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. You're well-trained. You know, you're, you're one that is, is able to go, to go forward, mm-hmm. you know, even in the midst of the battle. You know, Pharaoh's chariots, these are battle horses. You're able, you, you may not feel like it, but you're able to continue on in the battle for mature love. Mm-hmm. You're able to continue on contending for wholehearted, passionate love. And uh, he, so he's, he's affirming her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're equipped, basically, is what I, what, what I understand this. Yeah. Uh, in the parable and the symbolism, you're equipped to go forward. Uh-huh. You have, ready, you, to, ready to take on this hard road that yeah, I'm calling yeah, you to. <laughs> yeah. you, through, through the strength of the bridegroom, you're able to overcome. Mm-hmm. He goes on and says, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. In the Song of Solomon, the cheeks speak of the emotions. You know, I can look at Tally's cheeks and I can know whether she's happy or sad. <laughs> basically, you know, the cheeks are a really strong indicator of how a person is feeling. Mm-hmm. And so he says here, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. He's basically saying, your emotions are beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Their, their ornaments are something that a craftsman spends a lot of time, you know, fashioning, you know. And so when he says, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, he's saying, your emotions are being crafted. They're being, they're being uh, formed by me, by my mm-hmm. spirit. Mm-hmm. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. Maybe even the complexity of it, you know, the complexity of the journey, the complexity yeah. of how she takes the journey that it's, you know, it's, it's not that he's sitting there going, you know, I totally don't get why this is so hard for you. You know, right. it's like, it's almost this, uh, like it's beautiful, just how delicate and how, how, uh, you know, how you're made right. basically. Yeah. And we know Yeshua is the skillful workman, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here he's, he's even working on our emotions, and he, he affirms us. Your cheeks are lovely. Your emotions are beautiful to me. Your emotions of love, your desire for me, they're, they're, uh, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. He's mm-hmm. speaking affirmation to her emotions. Mm-hmm. And it says your neck with chains of gold. The neck speaks of the will. You know, you hear someone say the stiff necked person, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, your neck with chains of gold and gold often in the Bible speaks of divine or it's something from heaven. So she has submitted her will to God and she, so she carries his authority. You know, mm-hmm. So the neck is, you know, the direction, your neck with chains of gold. There's this, there's this divine, there's this heavenly uh, anointing and authority on her will. Mm-hmm. And so God, he's, he's affirming her will that, you know, God's going to strengthen her will Mm-hmm. to to obey and to and to continue to embrace that heavenly calling that's mm-hmm. on our life. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we'll wrap it up right there for now. But uh, yep. may you be blessed and may you continue to grow in love for your bridegroom. That's the purpose of this whole series. Yep, this is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. 